Hello, my friends. My name is Aureli. Education Monsters is a podcast that discusses multicultural education. Hey, 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 on Education Monsters, here we have Matthew. He's one of my students on italki, and I'm so happy to have him because this is a very unique perspective, synesthesia, which is this neurological condition. It's not a disorder, it's a condition in which like a stimulation of one sensory pathway leads to involuntary experiences of another one. So welcome to you, Matthew. Hey. Hey, um, thanks for, for having me on the podcast. We've been chatting enough about all this stuff, the time that we, uh, that we share it with some others. Yes, definitely. So let me introduce you to our guest. So Matthew, he grew up in Indiana. He got his degree at the University of Purdue in engineering, and he lives in Colorado Springs in, guess what, Colorado. <laughs> It's so nice to have you here on this podcast. And today we're talking about a book that you made me read. It's called like Wednesday is Indigo Blue. And mm -hmm. we're going to talk about your special condition, which is not like an impairment, doesn't have a treatment. It's just like making you feel different. So how about you just walk us through your childhood and how this came up in your education background and how did it make you who you are? Yeah, so uh, there are many different forms of, of synesthesia. Uh, you can think about any sensory sort of experience that you might have involuntarily being conjoined with another. So for me in particular, the, the most common one that I have is uh, for all letters and numbers, uh, I experience color and to some degree texture and opacity and also personality, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And it's, it's always the same. I've experienced it for as long as I can remember, and it's and it's entirely involuntary. And so uh, the way that I try to describe it is, uh, you know, if you if you look at your hand and then look away, you can imagine like a picture of your hand, like in your in your mind's eye, right? That's where like the experience of color exists. So when I look at a number, my eyes are seeing it in black or whatever the color is, right? There's no there's I'm not tricked into thinking that the, that it's actually like a red object, but simultaneously I'm getting the experience of it as if it was also written in red, sort of superimposed in my mind on top of it all the time. Uh, I, I very much liked numbers uh, as, a, as a child. Uh, math was like my, the only subject that I cared about. Um, and it turns out, yes, turns out that my strongest association is with, is with numbers. So the numbers uh, zero through 11 all have very distinct personalities. Like if I were to uh, say like, oh yes, like this person really reminds me of my friend Aurélie. Uh, it would be the same thing as me saying like, Wow, this person really reminds me of four, which we've talked about. You remind me of the number four. Uh, yeah, I've been asking you, what's a four? What is a four? <laughs> it's such it's it's such a it's such an odd personal question. So this is the thing: is that you say say how has it sort of affected your childhood? The answer is I didn't know uh, because I didn't understand that like other people didn't experience this until I was in high school. So close to my senior year of high school. I was talking to a friend. Uh, I was a diver uh, on the swim team. And I said, man, it's really funny that the number for a reverse dive is, is 301. You know, like the, the word is purple, but like the number itself is green. And he like leaned in and like looked at me kind of funny. He's like, are you high? Um, and I was like, oh, no, I'm just, I was just joking. And then went home and it was like, look at on the internet, like people see num like colors with numbers, right? Like that's a thing. Like everybody just has like, Like whatever they no, it turns out it's not a thing. Not everybody just does that. And so I wrote, I did a, a research project my senior year of high school, trying to like 
dive into this experience that I was apparently having that other people weren't having. It's like finding out you can see another color that nobody else can see or something like this. Yeah, so the estimation is that between three to 5% of the population has one or some form of synesthesia, but like most of the times you can experience more than one. And like you were saying, like the most yes. common one is the graphene color synesthesia, which is like connecting days of the weeks and like letters with colors. But like the association with colors it's also like the most common one. And in terms of neuroscience, it lights up your primary visual cortex. But in your case, you see like the numbers plus the primary visual cortex being light up. And that's also like super cool because we're always talking about this hyperconnectivity of your mm -hmm. brain. And so this could also be helpful when it comes to other tasks, such as, I don't know, like using different languages, for example, you're connecting like the English part with the French part. Yes, I recognize, like we, we've seen this like in iTalk, it's like I'll recognize like root words like a lot, I think a lot more quickly because I, I can see like the pattern. Like I, I don't just see like the structure of the words, like the color is very similar. And so it's like color and meaning and idea, like all being connected. It's just like kind of one more thing for me to sort of draw upon. Like I like how it's talking about having a more vivid imagination because it's definitely helpful when it comes to languages as in, you know, every time you have to memorize vocabulary, you mm -hmm. tend to memorize better if you have a better imagination trying to associate one word with another, one expression with another. And that's why I've noticed in our language classes, it's definitely getting the bigger picture first and also trying to find associations with what we know. And it might not be like the exact verb, but like you get the meaning, you get like the whole sense of it. And it's super useful when it comes to learning. So going back on the topic of education, you said you were not aware of it. And it happens to a lot of people that they just grew up thinking that this is the normal. But like, like, did you get um, remarks from your teachers? So I was like a fine enough student, good at whatever good grades are, like in all of the subjects. But like math, I was exceptional. Like I didn't know that like when you went to math competitions, like my expectation is I would just win every single one of them. Like I didn't, like it wasn't like, a, oh man, like I want to do really well. Like the expectation and the re reality was first place every single time. And then... When I got close to high school, I went to a math competition and I didn't, I didn't win. And I was talking to my teacher and I found out that other people study for them. Like that, that, that's a thing, like they, they practice math. And I was like, why would you practice? Like you just know it. Like, um, and it's just those associations between numbers come very easily to me, especially in like things like algebra, right? Like, which is like very proportional and everything's like literally related. And so like I excelled very easily like at all of that and i remember uh middle school we had like a, a competition who could who could memorize know, how many ever digits of pi or whatever the thing was i memorized 100 and it just came back like whatever like the next day was and just and just did all 100 digits of pi and I, I still even like know it it's like learning a song you can't like forget it and that was like five times as much as like what other people like kind of did and it just it just felt right right like this idea like i can see like the string of like color go by and so it's like it's easy to spot like an error or something like that this is so cool because even though you have the association with colors doesn't mean that it could work for your long-term memory right because Correct. you could memorize it for your working memory which is like your intermediate type of memory because this is like studying for a competition so you didn't have to remember it but it happens to stick with it yeah no it, it, exactly and and so like two-factor authentication when they send you like the six-digit number that you have to memorize it's just like two patterns that i like memorize and then you know flip to this other screen and like type it in and sort of like that so like pin numbers and things like that like it's just you, i can hold an image of the numbers that i see 
much more clearly in my mind because they also have like a color that is so distinct that I would never, I would never mistake a number for a different one. Yeah. So it means that you also have the memory of colors. I've heard of people remembering strings of numbers by using dates. So let's say they have like 2, 12, 92. It would be like uh, February 12, 1992. Yes. But for you, it's literally colors. But like whatever works, like it's awesome that it works for you because you've always had that condition going on. But to me, what's impressive is that it doesn't have to be related to memory. It just is. Yes, it just is. And and the, the other thing I think is interesting, right, is there are all of these like proxies that you can use to to help you remember things. Like it doesn't matter what it is, right? Like whether it's a rhyme or like you, you picture like some funny scene or whatever the thing is, right? A mnemonic device, like whatever whatever it is. It's literally just another one of those. It's just one that I that like happens to be involuntary, right? In in terms of that. Like and I think from like an education perspective, it's really interesting because I realize like actually how powerful having like associations can be for organizing thought. Although we've switched a little more from, you know, knowing stuff like being a walking encyclopedia versus critically thinking, because now you're an entrepreneur and it's also important that you try to anticipate, not just like knowing stuff. And that's also, I feel like a different type of culture because you know how in France and Europe, you you tend to brag on how much you know, on like your general culture of things, on the references, on literature, movies, cinema, whatever. But like here in the States and in Canada, I feel like there's this different mentality of you don't have to know a lot. You just need to know how to and you need to know the right people. It's less about scholarship and more about it's it's more about strategy or something like that. It's the way I think about it. Right. So I have a, I have a good friend who who lives in Switzerland and we talk about the difference between entrepreneurship like in the U.S. versus in Switzerland. And like the contrast is stark. Right. Like here. It's, it's much more like gambling. And, and it, it is, like you said, it's more about who you know and who can you get financing from. And like, are you clever that you can like, you know, figure out how to get this grant and like whatever the thing is. Like everybody's like trying to play the game as opposed to, to know the thing. Yeah. It's quite, quite different. I, I agree though. Like that's the thing, right? So me being an engineer, like I just like solving problems, right? Um, like I'm relatively agnostic to what those problems are, to be honest, but I am really interested in how other people think. And so for me, diving into like e-commerce uh, is really all about trying to think more about how people think and try to have, how one can like influence them. And I think that's something that we do really strongly in the States, like marketing is all about just like psychology essentially and it's like it's really really intense here it feels very wholesome because about synesthesia it's about how you feel but yes. like now you're talking about how you think so you have both components to be highly successful Matthew <laughs> it sounds like you can <laughs> conquer the world <laughs> so we, we've like talked about this right because there's uh I always think about in terms of like if you're going to build a company or like a team you want to do it like the ultimate team that has ever existed is Ocean's Eleven. Like that is basically it, right? And uh, for the longest time, I could not figure out like why is Brad Pitt's character necessary other than the fact that he's like attractive, right? Like what's his like role? And uh, I've studied this like probably way more than anyone ought, but like I realized that he's like, he's like the details man, right? So uh, George Clooney has like the grand vision, but he needs the details man to like, to, to basically make it happen. But in the same way, like you see in like the later films, Brad Pitt's character is a failure because he's he's like the, he's just the details man. Like he actually has no vision. He has no plan for like what he's going to do. So he fails everything that he tries to do on his own. And I've realized that like in terms of 
the different skills and propensities that we have, there is like this pressure to make everybody more or less like uniform. Like here are all the good traits, here are like all the bad traits. And I found that the most talented people that I've ever worked with or assembled as a team are like basically unemployable by like normal standards because like whatever their hang up is, right? Like is, it's just, it's so non-traditional but like their capacity, like the other side of that coin of what that delivers is so high that if you can figure out how to enter into how they think and how they feel and like what motivates them, you can, you can, you can build like your super team or whatever of, of misfits essentially, just like the movies. There is two things about it. So yes, you can target those people to be very excellent for you, but then in the end they will become your employees. So like sort of fitting in a mold, right? <laughs> so like you're making them fit into your non-traditional I, way of running a company. I, Yes, but I only hire really, people as independent contractors and I make them run their own company sub sub into my company. That's my that's my arrangement. <laughs> and yes, second of all, when you have this misfits don't, that don't have the traditional education, I feel like it's yes. easy to know them because then you're not like you they're not forged. They don't have their way of doing things. You, you can make them build their own habits that they didn't have previously. Like you know, yes. somebody who's worked in a lab they know the hygienes, they know exactly how to proceed. It's very, very tightly regulated and there's no way they're going to think otherwise because it's a yes. life or death thing. Like you can get really bad diseases if you don't manipulate a virus really well, but it also prevents you from thinking outside the box because your brain has taken so much energy into integrating that into your routine and that routine is really hard to break. So I can see that it's like it's easier for you if you have this controlling type of personality of like yes. wanting exactly what you want and also getting that from people who don't have a pattern. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, I have a phobia of, of learning too much about any one thing for like exactly that anchoring principle that you just mentioned. I find that like my strength comes in knowing how everything works, but not knowing all of the, the details because then I can combine things much, much better. Uh, I, I prefer to work with people who are better than me at whatever like the thing they care about is, right? And you're right. Uh, this is this is like a really interesting question of like like what what does intelligence mean, right? And I sort of subscribe to like the pattern recognizing theory of the mind, where like intelligence is really good pattern recognition. And I often find that the smartest people like I've ever met, they don't just do like one thing, and they're and because of that, like they're very amenable to just like stopping whatever they're doing and doing something completely different, right? There's no fear because they know that they can just figure out whatever the other thing is, right? They can just learn that pattern. But I sometimes I find with like the people that I'm like less impressed with, they so heavily specialize in the one thing because that's how they kind of like break that barrier of like getting the, of, of the value that they are, they are un, unmoldable. You see this a lot of software development, like where there's, there's a enormous shortage of software developers. So you have two, two, two kinds of people. You have the people that are fine throwing things away and learning whatever the new thing is and like adapting to, to solving the problem. And then you have the people who get like very stuck in like a particular way of doing things and they don't evolve with like the changing times. The second kind is very, very dangerous, builds up a lot of technical debt. And like my hunch, which is, this is probably not like an entirely polite thing, is that like people who are not very good tend to cling to uh, like a particular way of doing things because the idea of trying to like learn something else completely different is, is really scary because it takes a lot more time. It takes a lot more effort. They're less flexible. It reminds me of the immigrant mindset. You know, when you're forced to move into a new country, whether it be because of war, because you have to take care of somebody or yes. anything that's outside your will, it forces you to be adaptive. 
but it's not mm-hmm. by choice. It's not because you have this entrepreneurial mindset to get out of your bubble. It's literally because the war pushed you out of the country. So yes. we all have this capacity to be adaptable. It's, it's just like the circumstances may not give you that opportunity to learn by yourself. And if you grew up in like this very pink suburb, everything is safe, you don't have issues, you're white, you go to the best schools, like there's just no incentive for you to think outside the box because yes. you get your salary, you get your two-week vacation, you get your insurance so like what what is there to to claim and so i feel like for people who have been pushed around by misery like they've struggled they've also had to hustle just to have food on the table i feel like those are the strongest people even though you don't know everything about literature and movies and and you don't necessarily have a degree it's just Mm -hmm. that street smart is i think what you're looking for for your company yeah, no, I mean, I think that I think that really is it, right? Like people who it, it it's much easier to subvert the rules if you just don't know them to begin with. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a child. There's a guy that I work with and him and I have been friends for 10 years and he didn't go to college, but he's like one of the smartest people that I know. The reason he didn't go to college is because like he already had something he was like working on, right? Like he's a, a extremely talented uh, photographer and videographer and has been making YouTube videos for forever and has this like enormous YouTube channel, like actually like making real videos as opposed to just like, you know, silly reaction videos and all of that garbage. But like, yeah, like he, he's the most all around person uh, that I know. Like I'll, I'll throw him at very technical tasks and he'll just learn it. <laughs> okay, but here's my theory on synesthesia. Okay. Because I've read that, so there's no treatment, it's not a disorder, it's not something that's impacting you like in your daily life, in your daily tasks, like it doesn't prevent you from functioning. So the only side effect of synesthesia is that you're feeling different. Like you feel sometimes isolated and sometimes people may judge you or make you mm-hmm. feel like, oh, what the hell? Are you crazy? Are you poetic? Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this this sensation of feeling different, even though some people may find out very, very much later because they were made fun of in childhood, so they're never ever talked about this, even though you can discover it later on in life, uh, it also gives you this um, powerful sensation or powerful sentiment of, you know what, since I'm different, let me just be different all the way. Because then you can also like experience all of this sensory, like upcoming imagination, and there's just no limit to it. Whereas people who think who are more pragmatic, more down to the ground, those people might, you know, they can see a circle and not get outside the circle. Yes. A feature of my personality is that I process like very internally, which is really fun because I'm Megan, my wife process things very externally. And so it's really fun to see that juxtaposition and to sort of like live in that. But like when I am confronted with a problem or an idea, I like close off and then just go into my imagination essentially to solve whatever the thing is. And I realize that part of like part of my tendency to do that, like is just because I like, I do probably tap into ideas and feelings that, that are only ones that are like I'm having, if that makes sense. And also an interesting fact, but I did look up famous people with synesthesia. <laughs> <laughs> they all happen to be artists. Either musicians, yeah. painters like Kanye West, Pharrell Williams, Mary J. Blige, Duke Ellington, Lord, and even like Van Gogh or Joan Mitchell. And I'm like, how come we don't have like famous people who are in engineering or CEOs? Like maybe you're one of one exceptions, you know? The the funny thing is, and this this goes back to like the the numbers thing is I have a strong like visceral personality for for each number and uh, I kept thinking them as like other people 
until like in the last year and a half, I spent like a lot of time, like, again, just in my own head, like exploring the depths of like, how do I view like this person? And like, what are they like? And like, where do they come from? And, and really trying to tap into it. And as I shared with you, like, I realized that they're all me. They're all actually just different aspects of my self. I do often talk about the idea of like having multiple selves and it's somewhat related to that. But like, I've, I've realized that if I am honest, right, like I'm very good at like the capitalism game and um, in e-commerce and I spend a lot of time helping other people like grow their e-commerce businesses and that sort of thing. But if I think about myself, like what would I, what would I do just with like infinite, infinite time resources? Like I do think of myself first as an artist and second as like all of those other things. They're just manifestations or ways to make money. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you might as well, because what, like, what, like who Liquid says utility. that I don't know why you wouldn't want it. No, 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 this is fine. Right. Like, like money is, is very easily exchanged for goods and services. I don't know why you wouldn't want to have some of it. Yeah. And why do you necessarily have to be like on the streets? If you want to be an artist, you can definitely be a rich one. Okay, I'll give it my best shot. <laughs> okay, here's a question for you. Okay. Have you ever taken LSD? I haven't. Um, uh, although, uh, like, I, I know people that have, and they're like, I tried to take LSD to try to figure out what synesthesia was like. Like, they really wanted to have synesthesia. Um, but I've heard in, in some ways, like, it's not totally dissimilar. Hmm, based on what they said? Yes. They, they basically, like, talking about, like, the idea of like seeing colors or if I get like totally honest, like with like, so, so I tend, I head towards like mania sometimes, like not like destructive mania, but to where like I just am on and I can work for 12 hours straight and not notice it, or I get really excited or like nothing will like get me down about something. And in those moments, I have these like odd experiences Um, and I have a friend also who is very similar. He's 30 years my senior. And he also experiences synesthesia. He's the only other person I've ever met in real life that also experiences synesthesia. But we've talked about this before. I'll be like, do you ever feel when when it's like on, like when things are really good that you have, there's just purple light coming out of the palms of your hands. And he's like, yeah, I get that. But for me, it's more like this. And like, I'll describe it. But like when there is the most activity going on in like my brain, like I do get these like senses of like space, color, pressure, texture like that around like my my body and uh i have heard that that experience as i as i have described it in weird detail is similar to some people's uh trips <laughs> <laughs> okay but have you ever taken like cannabis or mescaline oh my gosh i love that you're asking this so funny fact i've never i've, ne I've literally never taken and i'll use this this weird term like a mind-altering like substance i've never done it no and, because it's a recorded podcast that you have to hide we can use a different name no, 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 okay no, no, you can... this is the thing so so i've talked with other people about this because i've actually considered it like a lot like like if do i want to like do this or not and uh like one of my like i don't know like concerns here so i have a very addictive personality to start with like what like when i start doing something i do it like like a thousand percent or like zero which is like one like i don't know um then two is like I very much like the way that my brain works like I, like I actually like really like the experience of it and there is like a piece of me uh, that is 
like scared, I guess, of doing something that might be intense that might ch- that might change my perspective on like how I think and like my synesthesia in particular. Mm-hmm. So you're holding on to it, and also read that yeah. So synesthesia is a genetic condition, so you're mm-hmm. more likely to get it like at birth, like just growing up with it. But like some yes. people around puberty, you know, because the the, sh- the brain re- like reshapes itself. Yes. Like some people might lose it, and some yes. people might like. Those are rare occasions, but some people might also develop it later in life due to like head injury or due to a trauma, mm-hmm. due to a stroke or even a tumor. Mm-hmm. So it might go away, but it might come back. I know. And this is the thing. So, so to my knowledge, nobody in my family experiences synesthesia or if they do like they're too pedestrian to like realize it to like when I was a kid like going going to like the fair or something I would have like a sensory like overload like when there's just like light sound and like there's all this stuff going on and I like I've thought about that before and I'm like I'm not like I'm not like on the spectrum right like I'm like it, is, it wasn't like that kind of like over like overwhelming and I think it literally was just like so many like synesthetic like things were just like all happening like in that moment like with the emotion and the light and the sound and the colors and like everything that is just like totally overwhelming me as a kid because I would like feel sick and I found out that I have like I have an uncle who who used to like have that like same like experience and he's like also kind of odd and I've like I've always like I haven't seen him in like a decade and I'm just I'm so curious if if he also experiences synesthesia. Well it's usually stable so there's this guy from um uh, the book uh, Wednesday's Indigo Blue, who recorded um, his child's number of personality, and then mm. he asked his child like 30 years later, uh, "What's the, that personality again? Like, what's that number's personality?" And the child gave the same answer. So it's usually stable. yes. Even if you ask somebody uh, like 10 years later, I found a way to like to sort of like map that, and then you did it like a month later, or whatever the thing was, and like whatever your basically whatever your match was, like over a certain threshold, you were considered synesthetic. If 30 days later it was the same, and like I did it, and it was like 98% like down to hue, color, and saturation, or whatever, like the same. I found the link to that in like my email from like 10 years ago and like and took it again and it was just like bang on the exact same that's so interesting but you were talking about numbers having different personalities yes does that depend on your current mood of the day so let's say you're having a good day then your numbers also having a good personality when you're having a bad day then your, your numbers are shitty this is a good good question so just like any person there's like a good and a bad manifestation of each one of like the people that are associated with the numbers so uh, to give you like an easy example the number nine is the aspect of my personality that's assertive which which can be very good it's also the aspect of my personality that can be aggressive and so like I may be having like a bad day and be angry. Uh, and I, and that might, that is like a certain manifestation of part of like the number nine. I may also go pitch somebody that I'm trying to work with them or get investment or whatever the thing is, that is also the number nine and that it can be a good thing. So the short answer is it's more about who is like the person that I'm like putting on that day and like, is it the good or the bad manifestation of it? How much do you have to know about a person to discover what's the number? Like, do you just take a conversation? Do you take five seconds? Do you need an hour? How long does it take you to recognize that somebody you meet is similar to someone else that you know. It's pretty instant. And then the longer it goes, the more it maturates, right? So we talked about this. So like when I first met you, I was like, oh, number four. 
fine. Like you know, it's just like a thing. Because yeah. I found yeah. that reductive. I I honestly find that reductive in a sense that I don't want to associate. But, say, oh, Matthew, you look like my dad. I'm like, no, 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 this is not good. But thing. here's the thing. But here's the thing, right? Like that maturates over time. So you meet somebody and you get an impression, and that impression grows, right? Like that's literally just how it works for everything. Whether I'm reading a book, meeting a person observing a garment hanging on a rack like you get a first impression and then it maturates like over time so first first time i meet you i'm like oh you are the most similar to like this other person that i met for as i get to know you i see aspects of a two uh which are quite interesting like fledgling three or five maybe even um but i need to get to know you better definitely not another number and like as it grows like i realize that like the number that I like I hold like or like the impression or the color all these things are the same word that I hold in like in my mind for people like grows and gets longer or I told you like palindromes is often like a thing right so like some like mid 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 stage getting to know somebody I might think of them as a palindrome and you can think about it right it's like a personality wrapped in another personality yeah like Russian dolls exactly exactly <laughs> but also you said they were only 11 so what if somebody else was yeah Asia happen to have 35, then they would have a more precise or maybe more repetitive breakdown of all the personalities. Yeah, I think it, it, it definitely there are combinatorial like permutations, like I said, like, right, so the number can get longer. So it's, you might be a combination of certain aspects of like four and eight. I might outwardly appear to be five, really, I'm three, aspiring to be 11, uh, this sort of thing, right? So it gets it gets pretty complicated or detailed, I think. So yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's a little I, interesting. And if I show you Roman numbers, does your brain know that those are numbers or do you have to see the literal like Arabic numbers? So, so this is the thing, right? Is numbers and letters are just ideas. So uh, when you look at something that can be expressed as like an idea. So like someone asked me one time, if you see three dots, is it the number three or are they just dots? And the answer is, is like, when you see three dots, is it the number three or is it just dots? And they're like, well, I guess it's both and it depends. I'm like, I agree, it's both and it depends, right? So like, why don't you show me the letter V in the context of it being the number, uh, I'll see it as blue in the context of it being a letter, I'll see it as purple. Um, and it just depends, is the short answer. Because it is both, it's legitimately both. Oh, and it just depends on how you think about it because it's an idea and it just happens to be a symbol that represents both. And could you extend it, for example, to birthday or maybe anniversary? Yes. Uh, so interestingly, the days of the week and like the months have color associations with them that don't match the like actual letters that make them up. Wow. So the letter J is purple. Uh-huh. The color for June is light blue. That's a mindfucker here. Yeah. <laughs> The, the seasons are like such a visceral thing, especially when you're like a kid, right? Mm -hmm. And like the, the month. So they, they, they take on their own. And it took me a long time to realize that that was different. I just think, oh, June is always like blue. The color, you know, the, if you actually look at the letters of like the word June, like someone's name, their name is June. It's purple every time. I love this, like watching you just really like... like a mandlore. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what are you saying to me? This morning is going to be a good morning. I'm going to have to think all day about this. Yes. <laughs> I, and, uh, and this is the thing I've, I've tried all these games like i've tried all the games to try to see if i can like elicit like how much does something need to look like the number two to be experienced in this way can i think about shapes and like their number the number of sides that they have um does that influence like do i picture shapes of certain colors or if i think about the number of their sides does it change all sorts of if, I, if I tell you june versus juin like june in french that mm -hmm. 
the same to you? Uh, no. So this is the thing is that like, until like I really internalize like that Juan is June, like it'll probably change like over time because at the beginning, it's a word that's made of letters and then later it becomes an idea. Hmm. But what about words that sound the same, but they're not written the same, like world and world? Um, so the first letter very heavily dictates like the impression of the entire word. So again, like take like a, a name. So the name Evelyn, it's like an emerald green color, like by itself. The more that like, I think and slow down about the word, the more that the individual colors of the other letters like sort of like present themselves, they're still washed over by like the first letter. Like that's like the experience. It's like if you were doing watercolors and like you had all these different like colors for the, the letters and then you just took the first letter and watercolored over the top of it where you just gave it like that impression. That's like actually how I see words. This is the this is the the dinner party thing, right? Like get out the colored pencils and then freak show Matt like draws everybody's name like is, is what everybody wants to do. They want to know what color they are. Which is a little irritating actually, but that's like the impression of it. And then you have two words that are spelled differently. That's another thing I could explore. Like maybe I actually have a different impression of like phonetics versus like actual spelling. I don't know. I've never played that game before. Maybe I'll play that one this afternoon. Yeah. Or maybe uh, nicknames, you know, like Evelyn versus Evie. Yeah. No, those are, those are distinctly different in the same way that you think about a person differently by what you're calling them, right? Like when you call someone their nickname, it's a different experience than when you call them by their full name. <laughs> And by the way, do you know who discovered synesthesia? I don't. It's uh, Francis Galton in the 19th century. No it's joke. Really, yeah, it was only researched in the 20th century, though. It, it's relatively <laughs> unresearched because there's no benefit except for like mostly to the people who experience it, right? Like this is, <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no like monetary incentive for this. No company is going to sponsor the research for this. <laughs> yeah, just like nobody's going to sponsor the research for too much happiness. What is this? Yeah. What kind of condition is this? Are you going to? I can't. I can't sell you anything for that. <laughs> it's like, what, do you want to decrease happiness? Literally, literally that. Yeah, so how do you feel at the end of the day, though? Are you tired? Because your brain consumes about 20% of your daily calories. It's a, it's yes. a huge amount of glucose every day. So if there's this hyperconnectivity, do you feel mentally tired when you go to bed? I'll tell you, I have been blessed with the ability to metabolize coffee very quickly. The, therefore, I, <laughs> I drink copious amounts of coffee strategically through the day. And like in terms of like those like manic, highly synesthetic like responses, like I can use caffeine to like modulate it. That is like the only like if you want to say like altering substance that I that I use as like a lever to pull is I know I know exactly when to drink coffee and how much to get myself to like tip over the edge. I also don't we talked about this. I don't listen to music very much like at all, actually ever, um, except for usually when I'm driving. And what it is, is like this like very time boxed amount of time that I can play a song and I have a playlist on my phone that I know will tip me into mania. And so like, if I'm going to go somewhere, I need to go run an errand like I'm going to do later today. I'll put the mania playlist on. So when I come back, like my brain is just like, like at 11, right? And then I'll just like sit down and like do a bunch of stuff. So I don't actually get tired is the short answer. Okay, nice. Well, thank you so much for being here on this podcast. Um, do you happen to have a last piece of advice for listeners concerning people or people who don't have synesthesia or maybe, maybe people who wish to have it? Yes, I, I, I think about the topic of learning and thinking a lot. And uh, the, the thing that I fear most for people and I try to drive out of my own life is is complacency, right? Um, it's sort of this thing that you, you touched on before. And I think if you want your time to feel like it moves slow and you want your life to feel like it is 
full of things and rich, you must figure out how to do different things from day to day and week to week and month to month and year to year. Because the time in your life that feels like it goes the quickest and the time that you're remembering self doesn't hang on to is the time that is the same. And so you've, you've got to, if you want like a, as full of an experience as you can have, you must figure out how to not have everything be the same and be as ruthless about that as possible. That's awesome advice. Thank you so much again for coming here. Any, anytime. I love podcasts. It's just an excuse for me to like blather on about something with purpose. Awesome. I'm sure we'll have a second episode. I'll see you soon. Cheers. If you love the podcast, you can check out my blog, Education Monsters. It's education-monsters.com. You can also support my project on multicultural education by donating on my Patreon page. The link is posted below. If you make a donation, you could have a shout-out on my next article or podcast. You could also choose the subject of my new article or podcast. And if you need French or English lessons, meet me on the italki platform. I'll put the link below. Shoot me a message as well if you'd like to be a guest on my podcast. And may today be the best day of your life. Bye.